Thanks to that piece of lieutenant that's always uh, on his podcast. Bash us. him. Eric Dam, your most complained cop, NYPD. This is your 265 Police Live series brought to you by the finest unfiltered. And along with me is a founder and a co-host of the podcast, John McCarry, retired lieutenant. How you doing, my brother? Doing well, my friend. Watching uh, New York City crumble as we speak, even though people don't want to want to pretend like everything's all well. The dream teams lead in New York City. Completely fine. Everything's fine in New York City, even though from October 7th till today, what's today's date? December 19th. So from October 7th, um, excuse me, uh, starting on October 8th, from the horrible thing that occurred in Israel on October 7th, starting from October 8th all the way till this today, December 19th, and even today, and following through the entire holidays and into 2024, I'm going to make that prediction already. We've seen every night, every night, paid agitators, along with Kids just going out to party. The new party is protesting in New York City. And and by protesting, I don't even mean legally protesting. I mean unauthorized protests, uh, blocking pedestrian vehicular traffic, shutting down mass transit. This is happening every night. And I'm not going to say that the NYPD is incapable of handling it. What I'm saying is the NYPD leadership and New York City uh, leadership is unwilling to, to shut these down, even though there, there are laws on the books that are not being enforced. John, you're a thousand percent correct. I think the key word that you just said is that the NYPD is unwilling. How do we know? Because what's going on right now with protests slash riots, but let's be honest, these aren't peaceful protests. They're riots. Some, some are worse than others. But ultimately, they're riots. They're disrupting the city. The city's crumbling. It's unraveling on a daily basis. It's happening every night. I see these videos. They emerge. They come up on Instagram. They come up on social media. It just it looks horrendous. And it's just people running amok. It looks crazy. Whatever you think about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict has completely decimated New York City. New York City was already on the brink of just collapse. And I think this is just the straw that brought the camels back. And again, I, th- I want to say, uh, say it again. The NYPD is unwilling. How do we know? Because we've seen what the NYPD is capable of. Not only that, we were part of it before George Floyd. So 100%, this is the George Floyd effect. And what we know also with these protests and these riots, ultimately, there are some people that are actually rallying for Palestine or Israel, whatever their stance is in regards to the conflict. But most of them are BLM 2.0 agitators, and this has nothing to do with the actual conflict. Yeah, regardless. I mean, we we don't we protest. Police are there to be apolitical, keep everybody safe, regardless what side they're on. Doesn't matter who they agree with. Uh, Eric posted something yesterday. Today is the 19th, I said. Yeah. So he posted something yesterday about an NYPD captain who got a sticker placed on his chest. A lot of pushback from the cops on that. Oh, he's a great cop. He's this. He's that. He's that. Doesn't matter. It's irrelevant of the fact what we're showing and what the New York Post showed, regardless whether they they put the arrest in that happened immediately after, which it did. It's not a knock on an individual. It's a knock on, this is something you did not see five years ago. This is something you did not see 10 years ago. It's people did not feel comfortable even 
during First Amendment activities, which again, that wasn't because they were attempting to shut down mass transit. They wouldn't feel comfortable to even get in the range inside of not only a cop, but an executive in the NYPD. So it's just a sign of the times and it's a sign of the lawlessness that's occurring in New York City and what these officers are being told. They're being told that people are allowed to come up in your personal space on you, 100%. And that, and that's what's going on. I think this speaks volumes. John, you and I both know he's probably watching once, once this comes out. We have a troll on Twitter. And uh, one, one of the trolls that we have, which, hey, listen, we, you know, we have a lot of haters out there. But you know what John and I call the haters? We call them fans. So I thank, you for, thank them for watching. But one of our haters in particular, and I don't want to give his name, but what he said is quite interesting, what people think of what how cops should actually act. And he said, pretty much, thank God I wasn't there because it would have been a, a, another lawsuit. And basically what he was referring to is that the captain did a good job and avoided a lawsuit, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. I'd like to say this, John. What happened to a bladed stance? What happened to protecting your personal space? What happened to the interview stance? What happened to a position of authority and, protect, and protecting that personal space? What I've heard the cops, I've got a lot of response in regards to this. And a lot of the response I heard was, well, this person was placed under arrest. Whether this adversary was placed under arrest or not is not the point to this. And they're missing it. The point is that someone was actually able to intercept the personal space of authority, someone in uniform, despite any rank, an NYPD law enforcement professional. That's a scary part. Because what else are people ca uh, capable of? And again, you said they are unwilling, but they're willing to allow people to intercept their personal space. This is dangerous. There used to be a time where we would be in a stance where your hands were up. Your hands should always be higher than the adversaries. And yes, you're, you're maintaining professionalism, but you're always at the ready. But to allow someone in your personal space. Now, this time it was a sticker. Next time it's a knife. Yeah, and you could replace that photo with every other photo of every other night in New York City from October 8th on. I mean, you, we're seeing it consistently. Cops with their backs up against a wall trying to protect, protect mass transit hubs that are being shut down by these agitators. This is a legal activity by mass agitators, let me add, which is also illegal to gather with two or more people on New York City streets and be masked. But yet we see a whole crowd mass taking over mass transit, blocking pedestrians' uh, ability to walk on the sidewalk, blocking, blocking vehicular traffic and the ability to drive freely. So, again, you 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 lose your First Amendment right at this point. You're, you're now impeding on the rights of other people to get home, to get to work, to walk freely, to go shopping, to go to school. Uh, so you, you are now – you're no longer involved in a First Amendment activity. You are involved in – your, any legal activity, whether it be a crime, whether it be a riot. I'm going to say it right now, when you're gathered with hundreds of people doing it, that is a riot. Um, and, you know, so like I said, I, I agree with Eric 100%. It's, and we titled this episode, NYPD protest response post George Floyd, because there is a clear, a clear line that was drawn in 2020 that changed the way the NYPD police's protest. And we invite anyone on here to come on here and tell us that the NYPD is doing a better job post-2020 at protest than they were prior.
I actually think that it's important we also talk about this actual incident itself. I think it's much bigger than what people actually perceive. Even the cops. They said, well, again, like I, I like to say, ah, the arrest was made. But it's much bigger than that. It's not about the arrest. It's about the issue. We did a prior podcast where we talk about de-escalation, which is a buzzword for most politicians. But de-escalation is not a buzzword. It's key to effectiveness of policing and public safety. And when I say that is, this particular captain, I'm not picking on him personally, it's the entire NYPD right now as a whole. The majority of it is allowing people to intercept their personal space. It's not just uniform. I, I think the average Joe, average person on the street, should not let someone intercept your personal space. There's a reason that why we refer to it as the personal space, because that is your level of protection. That's the own magical force field that you create to keep yourself safe. And why, the reason I want to correlate this to talk about de-escalation is because part of de-escalation, I believe, is actually being at the ready. This captain's hands should be in front of him. He should be standing bladed. He should be ready. That is part of de-escalation. When people see that he's ready, right, and he has those masculine traits, and then people see that he is a deterrent, that would de-escalate things and people would not approach him. But actually allowing people to come into his space and putting something on him, at, at some point, he could have faced some fear, and this could have became a tussle, and this could have led to something extremely violent and became a, a, a large tussle. Fortunately, it didn't, but it could have. So that's why I, why I believe it's so important that they don't really understand what de-escalation is. And I think the de-escalation of this would have been not allowing someone entering his space. What are your thoughts on that, John? Listen, I, 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 it's, it's based on a photo, so I, I can't really dwell into the photo so much. You know, I, but I can tell you right now, they're outnumbered with their backs against the wall. And I can tell you right now, I've seen worse. I've seen, I've seen cops behind those doors locking themselves in. I've seen cops lock themselves in into Starbucks. This is part of the overall leadership in the NYPD. This is, this is just a microcosm of everything that we've seen these last 60 nights where New York City is being shut down. By protesters, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not even going to dwell into one incident. The most, the, the, the biggest thing I think is that post George Floyd directly in 2020, where we were told to stand down, wait it out, wait for legal to make the call that we're going to move in, wait for this, wait for that, and even in that emasculated form of a protest response where we're giving control to community organizers or or protesters or or whatever, however you'd like whatever you'd like to, how, whatever word you'd like to use them. I, I prefer to use agitators because that's exactly what they are, law breakers. Um, however you'd like to call them, we're, we, we've handed that responsibility over, right? I, I always used to say we were involved in crowd control and now 2020, the crowd controls us. And that's what we're seeing. They're determining how much space we get which which mass transit hubs, which streets, which blocks they're taking over. This is determined by people other than New York City officials and the NYPD. And and that's what what I see throughout all of this. And again, it leads to something that, again, because people have a two-week memory and nobody wants to remember, Ed Caban, the acting police commissioner, because I don't believe he actually is the police commissioner because he doesn't speak about anything, He's done two things, two things as a police commissioner, other than attend parties, award ceremonies and promotions. He's done two things. 
One, <laughs> he did not discipline the guys that drove through the crowd in 2020, which I supported. Eric supported. I, I believe most common sense people support whether you're a cop or not. It's like, well, what do you want me to do? That what, do you, what did you want the cops to do? Sit there and 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 hope that they don't get killed? Like, what? Well, wait till someone throws a Molotov cocktail in their car. So we supported that action. But the other thing he did that everyone doesn't want to talk about is he agreed to a settlement with the New York uh, Civil Liberties Union and two other organizations to have a tiered protest response. And, you know, I see a lot of retired guys on the internet now and they're bashing, where their helmets? Where's their bats? And me and Eric are kind of doing the same thing. But we're saying there's something in that, that tiered response agreement that's holding everybody back. And we're going to delve into that a little bit. You know, yeah. With that being said, I think we should talk about the information that we should release at this time. That so people understand kind of what's going on with this actual tiered system, right? So what John and I have were able to decipher is that with this settlement agreement, with, the, with regards to the uh, protest riots that stem from George Floyd, there's something in this doctrine referred to as red light offenses and green light offenses, and ultimately. This is this is another I, I say another inhibiting factor for the police department actually doing their job. The last podcast uh, that John and I just recorded will be released uh, soon, but I think it's important that we reflect on it again. I had given this analogy; it hasn't been released yet, uh, but you'll, you'll you'll probably watch it at some point. And the analogy is this: if we watch the movie Gladiator, the end of the movie, Maximus is approached by the emperor. They're going to have a fight. And the emperor stabs him in the back and puts the armor on the on, on Maximus. So, and that's exactly what's going on right now. This settlement agreement says, you know what? We want the NYPD to patrol, to work, to control these crowds, to control these protests, allow people to exercise their First Amendment rights, and make arrests if possible. But we're going to do everything we can to actually prevent you from making those arrests. So, John, please read the caption here of how it's going to effectively, uh, you know, effectively play out that matter. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, so they deem, like Eric said, they deem red light offenses and green light offenses. I mean, I already there. The stupidity is just beyond me that we're deeming crimes red light and green light. It's uh, completely ridiculous. Um, so I'm just, just so you have an idea of what a red light offense is. I don't think it matters at all. It's crime. Green lights are crime. They're crimes. They're crimes against civil order. They're crimes against public order. They're crimes that basically disrupt everyday life in New York city and the ability for New York city residents, tourists, and businesses to move freely, whether on the street or on the sidewalk. So the following offenses shall be deemed uh, red light offenses, riot, incitement to a riot, Nonviolent obstruction uh, of governmental administration, violation of emergency orders, masks, um, or whatever else we may deem. Uh, say, say we have another curfew. That's a violation of emergency order. So they they're violating the curfew. They're doing whatever it is. Uh, disorderly conduct, acting violent and tumultuously, getting in your face, as, as we've seen on that thing, causing as causing a crowd to form, uh, cursing in, in the face of a police officer, disorderly conduct, right? Criminal mischief, spray painting on the walls, breaking windows, throwing rocks, damaging vehicles, right? This criminal mischief. 
um, and unlawful assembly. And any offense not designated. So so those are your red light offenses. And then any any <laughs> anything else is designated a green light. So I'm going to read you the caption. This is this is directly from the New York Civil Liberties Union. This is the agreement that Ed Caban, with a few police unions, signed on to. And, 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 and I think this is the biggest thing that we're going to see. So, you know what? So, again, we're not attacking an individual officer. This is the system you're in. And if you think this is a good system, then take it as an attack on you. Okay? And, and that's personal. And that's fine because we're actually telling the truth of what's going on out here and nobody else is. So uh, in, in agreement, if you read 29, I'm sorry, 28. The NYPD has a policy called red light, green light, one, two, three, one, two, three, which shall reflect following red light offenses are those offenses that require the approval of someone at the rank of captain or above before any officer may make an arrest. There you go. That's exactly the element that I was talking about that we can use as an analogy in comparison to the movie Gladiator. Stab him in the back, put the armor on, and say, hey, go out there and fight. But that's exactly what's going on. This agreement says, yeah, NYPD, patrol, control the crowds, work these protests, work these riots, make arrest. But wait, wait, wait. Only make the arrest with the approval of a captain above. Why? Because that's the stab in the back right there so that you don't make these arrests to allow these protests and riots to continue. So think about that. How important is it who you vote, who you put in office in New York City at a local level in your municipality? Because that affects public safety. This legislative body is enacting this settlement to allow these protests. And they're not peaceful protests. They're riots to continue on a, on a daily basis with this legislation right here. Why? Because uh, does a captain want to bear that responsibility? Why? Because what it also says here is that when that captain makes that decision on all the arrest paperwork, what's going to be documented, John? Oh, he's going to take, he's going to bear the full weight of responsibility for that decision. But I also think yeah. it's bigger than that because he is not the highest ranking officer on the scene that day by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he's probably but he's the lowest rank of the executive ranks that were out there during that protest. You know, he's basically a lieutenant, a captain or a sergeant. He's not. So in my opinion, and, and I don't know if you agree with me, Eric, but I don't even think he has the authority. Even, I know it says it in this document that he has the authority, but in real life. I don't believe he has the authority to call to make the arrest. I'm so glad that we, we're doing this podcast together. And, and that's why, you know, I think John and I have a great flow when it comes to this podcast. We don't prepare for what we're going to say. We talk, we prepare, obviously, we do our own research and make sure that we're knowledgeable on a particular topic. But we don't prepare and actually say what we're going to talk about. We're, you know, but great minds think alike. It's exactly what I was thinking. He's a low man on the total pole on this thing. It sounds great for documentation purposes. Absolutely. He is not making that decision. It's usually a chief that's on that scene who's making that decision. Again, he's a low man on the total pole. This just has to go through so many layers to actually quell, to bring a violent riot to a quell. I mean, think about that. John, you and I are working together. 
We're at one of these protests, one of these riots. We're at Grand Central Station, and people start bombarding Grand Central Station, impeding people coming home, blocking the trains, just a complete mess. And we see numerous infractions, crimes being committed. But wait, that's a red light offense. You know what that means? That's a subliminal message. Red light, you're the cut. Stop before you do anything. You got to get the green light from the higher rank. Is this the most insane thing you've ever heard of? You're a police officer. You learn the law. You go through six months academy to learn how to be a police officer, to uphold the law, and you can't even do that. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. No, absolutely. And, I, you know, I say the word emasculated a lot, right? It's emasculate. I'm going to explain it right now. Cops, police officers, first rank of entering into NYPD. You're a police officer. Prior, if we were at a protest and somebody broke the law in front of you, I don't care what level it was, you had the ability to effect an arrest, to do your job, to actively be involved in public safety and keep yourself safe. But what this document does is, is strip you of that authority. It emasculates you. It takes your authority away from you, regardless if you're a male or a female, for those who keep coming at us with these stupid, ridiculous things that we'll never back away from or I could care less about. Um, but that's exactly what it does. It strips the authority away from not only the cops, who are the, the most, who are the, the, the largest majority of, of the NYPD, that those are the those are the people that the public knows, the blue shirts, the, the police officer. Those are the ones that do the work in the NYPD. The sergeants, the lieutenants, they're, they're stripped of all their authority. And again, even this captain, it's a big deal to arrest somebody now because when I arrest somebody, did I violate this document? Did I, did I, did I, did I go against the orders I was given by they have a new First Amendment activity uh, uh, chief or whatever the hell you want to call him in this document, basically saying that the chief of department will designate someone to oversee each of these protests that happens every night. But there's a clear breakdown in what what the ability for a New York City police officer, what authority they even have in this situation. Obviously, clearly here, they have no authority. They have to wait to be told what to do. When you go to a protest, and you're working at a protest or at a riot, you're present at these events, <clears throat> you have, what I used to say, you've got, you have fires that are all over the place, right? Small brush of fires. Sometimes, like the George Floyd incident, you might have a giant riot and it's just one big combustion. But in a particular, the riots that we're seeing right now, you have small pockets. You've got a fire over here, a fire in this location. And what we know in policing is seconds count. Decision-making is so important in this profession. And this delays the decision-making. And the decision-making process is what upholds public safety and actually keeps people safe. But now, you're the police officer. You identify, when I say one of these small fires, an incident, what's one of the red light offenses inside to riot. The ultimate goal is always to find out the, the instigator, the agitator, as you said, John, the one that's instigating that fire. If we can remove that person, we put that fire out. But now to remove that person, after I made the observation, I now have to explain it according to this document, which we know is not going to happen in the real world. 
it's going to be some some chief that's going to be there, some you know, some old man that should be retired already, and you're going to have to explain this entire thing. And by the time you finish explaining, not only do you have one person signed to riot, you have ten, and now we have a bigger problem. And we talk about de-escalation. This is just further escalation and allowing these protests and these riots to go on. So ultimately, people have to start asking themselves, why would they want this? Why would they allow this? John, I know what your thoughts are. Tell the public, please. Why would they allow it? They want. They, they literally. I. I. Again, I. I say whatever. Whatever. Whatever response. Whatever response. New York City Council has, or the Civil Liberty Union group, it's it's to ensue chaos. It's to it's a it's a further criminal first society. It's a further upheaval of societal norms. Um, I think you know, and then and then you go into this document a little further, and you read through the tiered responses. Now, you know, the first tier, we don't really want cops there. We want community affairs guys and and uh, and uh, protest uh, liaisons. Um, we don't really want the cops and they could do traffic, but we don't want them in there. So basically saying no equipment, right? We want them in the blue community affairs jackets. We want, we want, we want friends. We want guardians. Um, so, okay, maybe, maybe, right. Your, your tier one, tier two is now you could, you could bump it up by, and each time you do this, this needs approval of the higher authority, the highest authority. Right. Um, if you're the incident commander there and the incident commander could be a sergeant in certain locations, more than likely it's never going to be until something goes bad. And then they'll try to make it like it was just a sergeant um, so that they can hang somebody. Um, and then you go through it and you literally get to like where it's it's chaos now. And now they're saying, OK, now tier three, when 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 things get egregious in these riots, now we could we could start to bring in SRG and equipment that they use, such as flex cuffs. But prior to that, you can't be ready. Prior to that, you can't show a sign of strength in New York City. Prior to that, prior to this being deemed a tiered three response, you can't show force. And by I'm, and I just mean clearly just show force, be in a uniform ready to address something ready to and 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 again like eric just said that is the first form of de-escalation and it's removed in our first two responses there is no de-escalation because there's zero fear because they know that and and by the way they're studying this document more that the protesters know this document better than you do i guarantee it i guarantee it me and Eric are probably one of the few cops who actually read this, other than some lawyer in NYPD and 1PP that's never going out on the street. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Who's surrounded by a couple of cops. Yeah, it's not It's not that bad. Don't worry about it. They just pulled your qualified immunity. It's good. Don't worry. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm glad that you mentioned that part because, you know, I, I'm thinking right now, if I was Ben Trump or one of these ambulance chase ambulance chaser attorneys out there that are completely divisive when it comes to racism and capitalizing, making their money off of, of these cases, like the George Floyd case and other cases that are uh, that are similar. I would rip this thing apart and decipher it and know exactly how this works because what I don't think that was thought upon here, which is a great opportunity for a lawsuit and really affects New York City again when it comes to financially. You and I both know, right? Let's just say we understand. We both know that 
this settlement agreement is addressing what we know as the traditional protest, traditional riots, right? These planned events of pro-Palestinian BLM, Antifa of such, right? But John, you and I both know, especially we both worked in housing, right? I know you worked in housing in the one to all precinct. And I worked in housing in predominantly most of my career. And I can tell you this, especially in the South Bronx, sometimes when you're arresting someone for a gun, so for my friends out there in tan pants, I hope you listen to this right now. Sometimes when you're making a gun arrest, John, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's volatile. It will turn into a fizzle tussle. And what happens, especially in housing? Everyone comes out and you have a mini riot. So will this doctrine apply to that riot? Because if I was a lawyer right now and I wanted to make money, I would apply it to this. Dude, when you saw those red light offenses while you were making that arrest, did you get a, approval from a captain or bug before you made those further arrests? This, this leaves a lot of questions. No, you're 100% right. That's exactly what it's going to be used for. That's not, you're not, this isn't a stretch at all, Eric. Like, this is exactly what the, they just came out to exercise their First Amendment right. This is a First Amendment activity, which they label as FAA in this document. For those of you that actually take time to read it, I would read it. NYPD protest settlement agreement, right? I would read it, um, you know, because we were told that the, the, the police commission is a street cop. And he has their backs now, unlike prior administrations. So, but he's signed off on this. But when you do read it, I want you to pay particular attention. And this is the line that I was just speaking about, fifty uh, line 53. I want you to go down to 53. So this is, we're in tier three now. So it's, they're trying to take over bridges or we believe that they're going to. It's imminent. They're walking towards the bridge. They already shut down streets, but, you know, just temporarily. No big deal, you know. Um, so where the use of specialized formations and or equipment is deemed necessary by the FAA, the First Amendment Activities Senior Executive, to address the specific individuals engaged in green light offenses. So it's telling you right here that the that the highest authority is telling you what equipment and what formations you will use. So you don't, you more, more than likely don't have them anymore and you're already out of the car and you don't even have an ability to get them at this point. So, but when it be, when he deems that or for authorized red light offenses and in a manner consistent with ensuring the safety and continuation of the first amendment uh, activities, uh, whatever, SRG may be deployed in tier three. These limited resources shall only be deployed for as long as necessary to address the conditions that they were deployed to. They were deployed to address. Wow, that's all. I, I, I'm speechless. Wow, I, I hope that the cops actually understand what they're up against. Not only that, how subjective is this? I love it. If necessary, I mean. Well, to actually get to this point, you have to have a planned event because if you have some riot that happens out of nowhere, by the time you actually get SRG geared up to actually get involved, it's not happening. Again, another delaying factor for the police actually doing their job. It's just another stab in the back. This affects public safety beyond limits. 
Absolutely. I mean, listen, I, I'm going to tell you right now, if if they didn't have a severe training on this, I think every cop should have to sit down before you ever get assigned to a protest and go through this 42 page document, because all every single line in that 42 page document, you could just add you could just add CCRBs charges to yourself. You could add lawsuits to yourself. This will not diminish um, lawsuits. This will not diminish this will not diminish lawsuits. This will not diminish complaints against cops. It will rise it. And, and then the other thing it will it will do, and I could ensure this fact, it will not help to protest. It will not help to police these protests either or quell these protests. It will have the exact opposite effect. It will embolden these protests even more like we're seeing. And that's why these last 60 nights in New York City, you're seeing what you're seeing all over there's hundreds of pictures that people are like what the hell's going on there i don't feel safe to go to new york city i don't want to take my family to go see the tree i don't want to go shopping i don't want to take the train i hate going home from work because it takes me three hours because i have to deal with these protests first um all of these all of these things i mean and and basically what we're doing is we're creating a lawless society and it's being allowed by new york city mayor eric adams in conjunction with the police commissioner, Edward Caban. Yeah, I mean, that that's another fact. I don't see any pushback from the weak appointed management of the police department. And I don't see any pushback for the unions because I get it. there's this doctrine, but it's completely subjective. And the unions at the NYPD, if they really cared about public safety, they could easily maneuver this and push back and say, well, listen, this wasn't an FAA protest. This is not a First Amendment activity. We're way beyond First Amendment. We have numerous factors here, and we have all green light offenses, and we're going to make every arrest that we can to bring this as a quell. And if they don't want to draw it up, the, DA, the five borough DA offices, so be it. We'll keep making the arrest until it stops. And that's where the union should step in, just like I said before on our micromanagement uh, podcast. The union should step in and say, we're going to protect every one of our offices with financial freedom. There's a CCRB that turns into civil liability. We will protect them. Other than that, it's not going to stop. I think this can be easily manipulated. It's very subjective. And if you read, if you read this doctrine, and I'm reading through it, there's a lot of information also that actually refers to discipline. It talks about the disciplinary matrix in this actual doctrine. So if there's every level, every layer that is put into this doctrine to keep you and refrain you from impeding these protests. It even says in it, if they're blocking traffic, things like that, you're supposed to find a way to maneuver for them to find another path to continue. It doesn't say to bring it to a halt. Again, I, th I think you're right. Just enabling and giving a path and allowing more of a lawless society. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't even see and understand how New York City can survive anymore. I, I, I'm surviving, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm surprised that it's actually still surviving. We have a migrant crisis. We have lawlessness with riots every night. We have an emasculated police department that is literally, it's at its knees right now. We have five borough DA's offices that are just letting people in and out the door. We have these liberal judges. We have a weaponized civilian complaint review board. We have a city council that's just, just stripping away at the police department every day. How is New York City still surviving? It's, it, honestly, it's amazing. You have the most incompetent mayor that's ever been on the face of this earth on this planet. Well, actually, I don't know. I think Chicago's got a good uh, 
got a, the Chicago, him and Chicago, they're, they're bouncing, they're, they're bouncing around. But it's again, I think that this document, this document further again emasculates the NYPD. It will lead to even more lawsuits, even more allegations, and it's going to lead to just more and more protests every night. The, uh, protesting in New York City has become a, a very lucrative profession. And there's people that do it, and it doesn't matter what 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 they're fighting over, what what side they're stancing, it doesn't even matter. They're just going to be out there. And basically what they're doing is is looking to antagonize the police department and get their hands put on them and, and sue the cops. You know, and uh, listen, we're going to point out a lot of things. Unfortunately, you guys and girls are out there. Uh, we're not anymore. Newspapers going to post photos of you, do things. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about incidents. It is what it is. It's not a direct attack on you. We're just we're just pointing out the hypocrisy. We're we're showing you the difference of what is going on under this administration. And it can't be it always was because it wasn't. You know, I, I put out a video today of the 2004 RNC um, where, you know, you could clearly see. I mean, it was the same people, the same agitators. They came here. They said they were going to burn New York City down. You know, they were allowed to partake in first their First Amendment activities. And when they stepped out of line, they broke laws in New York City. They got arrested. And that was it. And you had a mayor and 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 leadership in the NYPD that backed you. And, and you did not see cops getting spit on. You did not see cop people encroaching on police officers' space. And this is what we're showing. There's a big difference. There's a breakdown in law and order in New York City. Uh, again, during the RNC 2004, I was out there in a blue shirt. I didn't even have a shield yet or a gun. I was out there in a blue shirt. And there was about 1,800 of us just like that. Nobody was assaulted. Nope. None of us felt threatened. And, and yet we had paid agitators, anarchists here that said they were going to burn New York City down. But it was a different society. It wasn't because we were tougher. It wasn't because we were smarter. It was because what was acceptable in society, what the mayor and the police commissioner allowed at that time. And at that time, it was completely unacceptable to be in a police officer's space. It was completely unacceptable to even get near a police officer or even raise a phone to them. We were trained. If someone rips a phone in your face, you don't know if that's a firearm. Smack that phone out. We would try. And, and I still believe that that's, that's correct training today. You should not take an object and go like this. I am with you all the, all the way. Before, the, before entering the police department, during my time in my career and in retirement, I don't let people enter my personal space. John, you and I talked about this. I know you don't let people enter your personal space. They shouldn't. I talk to my kids about this constantly. I always say, I always talk to them about situational awareness, being aware of your surroundings, and do not let people enter your personal space. Not even because people are a potential adversary, because it just keeps you safe. You always have to be wary of your surroundings. When you walk down the street, you should always be aware of what's in front of you or what's behind you. I mean, someone could bump into you and you could fall. You could walk it by accident, bump into somebody that's on a bicycle. You have to be wary of your surroundings, but your personal space is, is completely important. But it's even more important when it comes to policing because mirroring and reflecting that actual personal space is reflective of actual public safety. And if someone just think, I just just think of how absurd this is, right, for our viewers out there. How absurd is it that someone actually felt comfortable enough to take a sticker and put it on the chest of a captain from the NYPD with all these people watching? And it's exactly what you said. Before, we used to control the crowd, 
and now the control the crowd controls us. And I remember my last year that I was pretty much benched inside inside the precinct. I transitioned to the special projects lieutenant from the special operations lieutenant with my eight charges from the civilian complaint review board. And there was an incident in housing, and the cops had responded, and it was basically a mini riot. And uh, this one particular development, they were out of control, and the cops it looked like a, a, a you know it looked like a Mex an old Mexican standoff, and the cops were standing on one side, and the adversaries were on the other side, and they were just laughing at the cops, and they were clowning the cops, and. What happened pretty much is it was videoed and the cops just put their tail between their legs and they ended up leaving and no arrests were made. But I remember saying to the cops back then, why did you allow yourself to be the show? Why stand there in that position? Why did some of you walk to the other side? Mentally, use your tactics, split that group up, make them turn their heads, but instead you became the show. And that's what I see at these riots. These cops are just standing there against the wall, outnumbered, and they're just the show. There's no tactical plan, and that's what they are. And they look like clowns. And it's not a personal attack, but that's exactly what's going on. If you look like a clown, that's how this crowd is going to treat you. What John was talking about was the image that the police department that used to have. An image was enough to keep you safe, and that's forgotten. It's destroyed. Yeah, but now, you know, cops cannot take individual action. Sergeants, lieutenants, and captains cannot take individual action. The deputy inspectors and inspectors cannot take individual action. This is coming from the top. You will stand there and look like a clown. They're being used as pawns. You're being used as pawns. For everyone that hates the show, good. I really don't. I, you are a pawn then. Be happy being being a jester. Being happy, be happy but having these people control you and tell you and make you look like an idiot and put you in very dangerous situations. You know, risk your, not only your life, but your career and, and, and everything else going forward. And it's, it's, it's all being done. It, this is all how politics affects policing. And that's what we're showing through this podcast, how policy affects policing, how politics affects who's in charge of that police department. And right now, nobody's in charge. Nobody. I mean, it, it's, it's laughable. I, I, I have not seen the police commissioner. Those were the two acts he did as police commissioner. He's been a police commissioner for a very long time at this point, and he's nowhere to be found. Uh, and, and again, you're going to get another big upheaval coming soon. So, and it's going to be another idiot if we get another progressive in there. Everyone else is in charge. Honestly, right now, I think that civilian clarity new board is, is in charge of the police department. I think the police department has to answer CCRB. We see it at these meetings. We see what's being discussed right now. We'll go into it on a further podcast, but we see that the police commissioner right now, the same police commissioner that you say is a street cop, agreed to a 90-day memorandum with the Civilian Complaint Review Board as far as all evidence being released to the CCRB upon their request in regards to a force investigation division case when there's a shooting. We'll go further into that on a podcast, but just think about how detrimental that could be to an actual shooting case and how that could actually corrupt and compromise the integrity of a good investigation of a case. And there's a reason why it was in place in that way. Even as I, John and I talk about this, as a direct supervisor, cops that I had that were involved with shootings, I wasn't able to view, unable to get all the evidence. I was unable to view that body camera. That's how tight-lipped these these cases were. Again, you know, it, it's, it's sad, like you said, I'm surprised that we're, you know, we do have a mass nexus, but I'm surprised that we're not getting even more droves of people leaving, that you're still willing to stand there and allow this doctrine to put your safety at risk. You're standing there, you have a sticker being put on you, and, and it's not you, 
I don't know this captain in particular, but you're not the only one. If they're going to put a sticker on you, what will they do to somebody else because this document, doctrine inhibits you? I mean, think about John. You, you were pretty expressive talking about Relly Rell. Relly Rell has an opportunity to be a rich man right now with because this doctrine. All he has to do is just constantly just antagonize people all day, pick a cop, pick a cop, pick a cop, until eventually one of them gets frustrated, puts handcuffs on him, and now he's a rich man because guess what? Red light. Did you get did you get approval to make that arrest? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and what's being said by the upper echelon on the NYPD? Oh, nothing. He's a good cop. Nobody said he wasn't a good cop. Nobody said he was a good cop. What are you doing about it? Why is why are cops restricted? Why has it become the norm for people to be in a cop's face? And then we applaud. Oh, they exhibited great restraint. Like that was a, a, a I'll never forget that photo, that famous photo of that rookie cop, like standing there and the lady screaming in his face. And it was like applauded. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. That's not the right thing to do. This is not. This is not this is not a, a, a police force that has the ability to keep people safe. Um, I really I really I, I don't I don't know what's going to happen if the, if the leadership doesn't change and change fast. I really I don't see good things for New York City. I don't see good things for the New York City Police Department. And I'll tell you right now, the exodus that we've seen in 2020, 2021, 2022, 20, that continued in 2023 is going to be very much worse in 2024, because now you have guys that have worked throughout this whole summer. And are now working throughout this entire winter and holiday season when normally this was kind of the slow time. And now that even through now, they're working seven days a week. They're in insanity. People are, are going to continue to flee. You're going to see a higher exodus unless something severely changes in the New York City Police Department. And right now, I don't see it. I, I agree. Listen, I can't imagine... You know, right now, being on the job with this doctrine right now, I would never, I would violate this doctrine every day. I would never allow someone to enter my personal space. I would never allow someone to put put a sticker on me. And, I mean, if someone managed to put, put a sticker on me, I, I mean, I would be so disappointed in myself that I actually allowed my guard down because I, I would be saying to myself, wow, if they put a sticker on me, they could put a knife in me. If they could put a knife on me, you know what? They could put a gun to my head. I mean, I just think it, it's it really it, it ridicule of the cops, ridicule of the police department. It, it, it's a big joke. I think the, the NYPD has become the butt end of a joke. There, there is no leadership right now. Sometimes we say that it's weak leadership. It's inadequate. It's a point of management. There's absolutely no leadership right now. You know, we have been attacked for commenting and criticizing the leadership that we see from Taz Daughtry, because it's obvious right now, he's the point man. He's the one in, in, in the leadership position in the department. We see them doubling down every time they go to a conference, they go to a meeting. He's their spokesman right now. And if that's what the NYPD has to offer as the finest, and that's the best, we are in trouble. And you know what, Kaz? I don't care if you take this personal night. You could send in your fake memes. You could send in all your trolls to come after us. I don't care. But it's the truth. You were elevated seven ranks. You're not ready for it, especially right now. New York City is in dire straits right now. I'm more concerned with the residents that are there because I still have family and public safety, and you're not it. Yeah, that's how I feel, you know, and that's why when people are like, oh, you guys are fighting for the cops. Keep it up. I'm like, I'm really not. I'm just, I'm just telling my truth. 
I'm just saying what I believe is a safe society. I'm fighting for my kids. I'm fighting for the future of New York City. I'm fighting for the future of this country because this, guess what? Everyone's like, everyone's like, oh, John, you know, I don't agree with you, but I'll be in Florida in two years. Guess what? That's coming here too. That's going to be everywhere. As so goes New York, so goes the world. Um, you know, and, and most of what we're saying, everybody agrees with, you know, I mean, I get, we're going to, we're going to differ on some points, but I mean, the, the, to pretend all is normal, to pretend that everything's fine. The New York city police department is the same department that it was prior to 2020. It's a lie. I'm not going to do it. Eric's not going to do it. And a lot of other people aren't going to do it, you know, and cause it's, it's just New York city, forget even the police department. It's bigger than the police department. The police department's a microcosm in New York City. And when you see the upheaval of what's happening in society in New York City, why do I care? I own a ton of property there. I have a pension there. I have a lot of money invested in New York City. I care. So should you. You should care a lot more than me because you're working and you're out there every night. Most of the nights, I'm hanging out. I'm watching TV now. I'm staying with my family. I'm going out to dinner. I'm going exploring uh, different parts of this country. I mean, Eric's hanging out. He's going fighting at different jujitsu gyms, exploring the entire world. I mean, you should care a lot more than me. You shouldn't worry about what we're cared about, what I care about, what Eric cares about. You should worry about what's important to you. What do you care about? Is your pension more important than than the rest of the, than than the future of your for your children? Because this is what this we're leaving our kids. I don't even know. We're leaving them in, into a wasteland. Like this is going to be a wasteland. New York City is going is going to collapse. It's going to like it, can, it cannot maintain at this pace. It cannot maintain the space. Nobody's going to want to work there. Nobody's going to want to live there. And guess what? My pension, Eric's pension, your pension, it's going to be gone. You're going to be getting cents on the dollar, just like what happened in Detroit. Um, there's only one way around it. It's to use your voice and get involved politically. Whether it be supporting candidates, whether it be trying to uh, volunteering, whether it be speaking to your family and friends, whatever that may be, you need to do it. We, we are. We, it, it's we're we're heading to the point of no return. Honestly, New York City's in a death spiral now. Like I don't even know if it could be saved at this point. Well, it's unrecognizable. It's definitely not the New York City that we knew. We we spoke about this, John. Right? I saw that. I saw that clip that was out of Rudy Giuliani was walking through the streets and you could tell it was a real New York City woman and she walked up, hey Rudy, she put her arm around him and she was like, oh, it's good to see you. And she had that New York talk and they embraced each other. And I, I remember I, I called you up, John. I said, you know what? That's the New York we grew up. That's the New York I was proud of. That's the New York I remember. What's going on right now is unrecognizable. That was the New York City where everyone embraced each other. You know what? Despite what Cop Watch says, I have a picture with Giuliani when I was at a Veterans Day parade, and they called me a fascist for putting that on social media. I mean, it's it's absolutely the furthest thing from the truth. But I don't know how I'm a fascist because I support Giuliani and I appreciate that he supported the cops. But to see people embrace each other in that manner—that was the New York City that we knew. That was the New York City that we grew up in, and and it's unfortunate. But most of the cops in the NYPD right now, they, they don't know that New York City. Maybe some of the old timers that, that came out with us, John, they're at the end of their careers right now. But the new guys right now, they don't know that New York. This is their New York. Well, it's not a good version of it, I'll tell you right now. Um, I, I used to go to parties and clubs and go hang out with girls. I didn't have to go to protests to meet girls. 
I didn't go protest in the street and hold signs and, and protest about something that I have no idea about. Cause I didn't care about any of it. Um, that's it, man. So, I mean, wrap it up, I guess to say New York NYPD protest response post George Floyd is horrendous. It's an emasculated version of the New York city police department. Doesn't keep the public safer. Doesn't keep the people who are actually trying to exercise their first amendment rights safer. And, it doesn't help the overall health and well-being of New York City, right? Businesses aren't going to want to come. Tourists aren't going to want to come. Businesses already want to leave. And, you know, I I just, I, I personally think that we need to go back pre-George Floyd protest to the way we actually not only police protest, but police the streets in New York City. These, these riots, they, they must be hurting restaurant business in New York City. It must be taken. It has to take a major hit. I don't know the statistics on it right now, but just think, John, if you and I were to meet up in New York right now, other than going to one police plaza, maybe get a couple of good laughs. But if we decide, hey, let, you know what? Let's go out to dinner tonight. Are we going to go anywhere near Grand Central? Are we going to go anywhere near the Brooklyn Bridge? We're not afraid, but we're not stupid. It's just not a smart move. And most people must be saying that to themselves also. Uh, should we go to New York City tonight? Maybe if you're a tourist and you, and, you, and you don't know any better. But if you know New York, you know the inner lines of New York, and especially if you know the NYPD, you say, I'm not going there tonight. It's just too much to risk. And for how many how many people are saying the same thing? I mean, New York City has to be taken. Has, the restaurant business has to be taken a tank. We'll never hear that from Eric Adams because, unfortunately, we're not hearing the truth. We hear mixed messaging from him. I mean, one day he's talking about how great how great the city's doing one day he's saying you know how the migrant crisis is tearing the city apart i mean i mean what he said the other day john you, you want to talk about that tweet you put out i thought that was great of mayor adams talking about out new york city one day is, is 9 11 and somebody else is, is signing up the business i mean this is crazy talk he's a complete moron i mean that was that was probably that was probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life that was that like took the cake of all the dumb things that I've heard in like the last 15 years that I've been paying attention to politics that was the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever heard like I, I mean I, if that just does not show where his brain is at I mean it's forget about it it it's absolutely ridiculous the the I, I, can't, I really can't say any more about it. He's got to get out of office. We need we need leadership. We need leadership not in, in city management, and we need competent people to be in charge of the New York City Police Department. All right, um, and and I just think I just think that's where we're at. You know, I really got nothing else other to say on it other than this is what an emasculated police department looks like post twenty twenty. This is what it's going to look like on the streets of New York City going forward. This is an everyday part of life in New York City now. You will deal with mass protests. I'll be in New York City very shortly. I'm not going to the tree. I'm not taking my kids to go see the Rockettes. I'm not going to Radio City Music Hall with my children. I will be in Manhattan. I will be avoiding all of those parts. You're 100% correct. I will be either downtown at restaurants or uptown at restaurants. I will avoid Midtown. I will avoid really going to the city. And I will be very cognizant of the times I travel because they seem to protest every night right around rush hour. Right. And what's that going to add a commute from Staten Island? What's that three hours? What if you live in Long Island? What does that add to your commute? You know, three hours and uh, add three hours. It's always going to take you an hour and 45 minutes to go 16 miles, which is also abhorrent. And another issue that 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 
directly, directly is affected by politics, which, and, and again, it's, you know, it's so I'm like, I'm not, am I going to go spend four hours in my car to drive 16 miles to go see the tree, say nothing happens. Oh, oh. And then maybe I go there and my car gets damaged because somebody's screaming from the mountain to the hills and they don't even know what the hell they're talking about. Um, while everyone else is screaming from the river to the sea, but they don't know what river or what sea and, you know, and all this other, and all this other, just because it's complete chaos in New York city. So I'm with you, Eric. I, you know, I'm with you. Who, if we're saying it, everybody's saying it. Before we close, I know we're getting close to an hour and for our viewers out there, most people probably listen to this on their commutes. So I know we're getting close to the hour. Most people have a 30 minute to an hour commute. But there's two things I just want to talk about before we close. The first thing is this. This is what I find a huge problem where I think it's important that we talk about how politics has penetrated the police department and identity politics has become more important. And it shows that the police department is also another arm for the democratic woke progressive movement. And we know this because we see it. The way that the cops, even despite this doctrine, the way that the cops and the upper echelon carry themselves and operate at a pro-Palestinian riot in Manhattan is far different than when we see how they act and operate for a protest in Staten Island of those protesting illegal immigration with illegal activity. think that's a great point i think we we do have to touch on that for a minute a hundred percent um absolutely when it comes to staten island when it comes to pro-american protesters people who you consider conservatives there is a completely different nypd response and that, and we have seen that time and time again that's been reported in the news we see we've, we've seen people get arrested for jaywalking we've seen people get arrested for loud noise radio we've seen people get arrested for disobeying a lawful order we've seen people get arrested for crossing a barrier things that you do not see at any of these protests right and and they're not taking over streets by the way they're they're penned in which they're not penned in here but they're penned in on Staten island um and i think that's a big problem i think that's a really really big problem because it shows who exactly is in charge of the city the crowd controls us. The mob controls the NYPD and it controls down the NYPD response. And the reason I believe that you see a different response is because you have a lot of family and friends of police officers on Staten Island. They're less apt to file complaints, to file lawsuits, to fight, to physically fight with the cops, where the left, not only are they going to file complaints against you, they're going to fight with you. They're going to sue you. And they have the entirety of the elected officials behind them, along with they have numerous people whose only job it is in this world is to rally and intimidate New York City and the NYPD into settling lawsuits, such as Al Sharpton, Ben Crump, people people of, of, of that stature, where they have consistently sued the NYPD based on their response conservatives don't have those those outlets and you you uh, nailed it 1000 that's a clear delineation on why 
they are the arm of the left. Whether you know it or not, you could be conservative, Trump loving, I love this country, I, I support this, I support that. If you're on Staten Island with your chest puffed out, locking up a 50-year-old woman because she crossed a barrier, but you're letting these people fucking scream in your face and throw shit at you and take over streets and shut down Grand Central Station and shut down Penn Station and take over bridges. I mean, you really got to start asking yourself, who do I work for? and What am I doing? I think you answered that to a T. Fantastic. Your, your assessment is 100 percent accurate. You actually put I think you put on Instagram and I was I was I was fell out of my chair. I was laughing so hard because it's so true. I said, you know what? It's it's silly, but it, and it's funny, but it's true. And you hadn't put it out, John. I was rolling in my chair. You said the NYPD loves anarchists. I said, you know what? He's right. He is so right because they give more respect and they treat anarchists much better than they do protest in Staten Island. We know even their own. They treat them much more better, much better than they do retired members. They don't give BLM any flack. They don't give Antifa any flack. We don't hear them go after cop watch, rally rel. Retired members, yes. Oh, never, never. No, you got to be respectful. Sir, sir. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, and this is the second thing I want to touch on. Lady Justice is supposed to be blind, right? But since when does law intercept policy? Policy might be connected to law. But what is law connected to policy? In a sense, what I'm saying is, how did the court system actually have a settlement and agreement and decide, well, these these potential crimes, they're red light crimes, but these are green light crimes. How do they decide which crimes require a, a more of a thorough, I guess you could say, verification or validation than these other offenses? How, that is another, another interception, as I always say, where politics has penetrated policing. I'm under the impression. And I believe it's written that if you observe a misdemeanor arrest, you're required to make arrests as a New York City police officer. So they circumvented the state legislator and the New York City legislator by this policy. So, again, I, I don't I think most of what New York City does at this point is completely illegal, goes against the New York State Constitution and the United States Constitution. And that's another thing that's changed post George Floyd is we stopped worrying about the law, you know, um, and I, I think that's a big, big problem. And I think that that's why I do think that New York City could still be saved, because I think pretty much most of everything that's been done can be undone. Um, it's just does it want to be undone when you have unions filing lawsuits that they know. They know is going to get thrown out or they know they're going to lose. They're, they're filing it in a particular way to lose so that it 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 creates it creates oh well that's that's the that's the precedent that's the legal precedent it's like whoa whoa, whoa, whoa you thought that lawsuit was gonna win <laughs> I, 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 I you know I support that but I don't support that lawsuit that, that was a terrible lawsuit when you have and and that's what's going on what's going on is it's a huge huge grift and you're hundred percent you're right justice should be blind I don't care I listen I support most of what I see on Staten Island. 
most of the First Amendment. Some things I don't like. I don't like the shining in the windows, the shining of the light, or shining the light at people. I don't like any of that stuff. I don't. I don't agree with that. I'm not, I'm not anti. I'm not anti anything. I just. I believe in. I believe that we should have legal immigration. I believe that we should be able to provide the resources that we can to help anybody. But our residents should come first. And that's and I'll, I'll stick by that with anyone the same way I will help anybody that I can. But my family will come first um, prior to me helping anybody else. But we don't see that. We don't see that we're having a clear, same response, a same response for all. doesn't matter that I support the people on Staten Island. The way I police the people on Staten Island is the way I should police the people that are in Antifa that want to burn down the city and want to burn down this country and want to turn my my daughter into a boy and want to turn my Eric's son into a girl. I, I police them exactly the same because I should be apolitical. And that's what the NYPD should be. But they're not. They're political. Not only have uh, do we see it on the street, we see it in their messaging and their use of the social media accounts where they're 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 being a pro illegal immigration they're they're pro all of these stances that a police it's really has nothing to do with public safety or with policing and and that's my biggest knock on the police department as a whole it's not everything that they preach that is is a lie diversity equity inclusion is the most racist thing i've ever seen in my life oh i i could agree with you boy i think that the, the DEI is complete reversal. It's 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 pure discrimination. It's pure racism, and, and you know we see it all the time. Is you know every time I see it, you know they just had promotions within the police department. I think it was today, or or it's, it's supposed to be this week. And in any case, what do we see? You see commanding officers. You know the first of this, the first of that. I mean, we even got funny memes out about it because it's just so true. But these people have to ask themselves: Do I really deserve it? It's it's completely discriminatory. There's plenty of there's plenty of people in the police department that are black, that are Hispanic, that are Asian, and that are white, that are fantastic, incapable of doing the job, and they don't have to be the first of something. They should just be there the best of something. And that's what I see with this. And you know, I just want to also reflect on what you said. I agree hundred percent. So you know, I used to tell I used to tell the young cops that used to work for me, you know. You need to treat everyone the same with respect and your tactical approach should be the same way. And don't be a bully, be a professional. And I'm John, I'm sure, I'm sure you saw it also. I would see some cops when they would deal with a, an adversary that was large in size, someone that could be a threat or a challenge, be extremely respectful, you know, be passive in their approach. No problem, sir. But then they would get some small young juvenile that's no challenge for them and now it's you know they're puffing their chest and they're real tough because this person's not a challenge and because they can and that's what's going on with the police department they know when it comes to standing out they can do it just as you said they have many friends family that are police officers they're in line with the police they're pro-police so they know they can do it but when it comes to really well Cop watch and all these other anti police organizations. No problem, sir. It's okay because they know that's where the lawsuits are coming from. They're a challenge and they're not willing to face it in the same manner. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's exactly what's going on. And so that's my that's my take on it. The police department in its current state is emasculated. 
there is the leadership is non-existent. The people that are in place are incompetent and they're lying to you and they're mouthpieces for the progressive left. If you're protecting, if you're protecting them, you're a, you, in my opinion, are also a mouthpiece for the progressive left. And you're you're working towards your own demise. And I that's anyone and anyone that feels differently, you're welcome to come on here and tell us where we're wrong, that the police department's doing great, or you know, maybe they're failing here, but we're better here. Whatever your take is on anything's fine. I mean, but I mean that's just what I'm seeing. And it's not just what I'm seeing, it's what the consensus of everyone is seeing. The only people that are saying the opposite are the people that are pretending that everything's normal, and that is the progressive left. And that is it. Those people. So if you're saying that the police department's great, that's who you're aligned with. I'm just letting you know, maybe you're not aware of it. Well, that's what we're doing here, right? We got a platform to speak out the truth, give our opinion, perspective, analysis from our experience. Finance unfiltered. That's the platform for it. And, and as you said, if you're not aware of it, watch. Hopefully you are aware. If you don't agree, at least be open-minded. Opposition meets opportunity and take into account what we're saying. And you know what? Compare it to the situations that you're in and the situations that you see and ask yourself, are these guys right or are they wrong? You know what? But be honest with your assessment. That's all we ask for. John, I think we should close this out. It's about an hour and 10 minutes into it. I want to thank my viewers. And I just want to say this, John, I know you're headed out to New York. Be safe out there, of course. But if you see our friends, if you happen to run, run into any of our friends with tan pants, Please send them my best. I want to say thank you for being a fan and tell them I appreciate it. No problem. 265 Police Live brought to you by New York's Finance Retirement and Unfiltered Podcast. We'll be back at you. Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community. But who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on 888-901-BLUE. That's 888-901-BLUE.